Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. So we, what we'll do is, uh, ready? Yeah. yeah. Um, hang on. I'll bring it up. Ready? Go. morning. This is uh, another episode of Breakfast with Berkey's. I'm Stan with Berkshire Hathaway. I'm John Vitale with Berkshire Hathaway. And our guest today is Becky Baker with First American Title. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Good, good, good. Go ahead. You watch the Super Bowl? I did not watch the Super Bowl. What? I know. We found the only person that did it. <laughs> you didn't miss out on anything. That's what I heard. It wasn't that exciting. <laughs> I kept checking the stats. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a boring game, it sounds like. I don't know about or that. Or a good game. Yeah, yeah. Could go either way. Yeah. Depends what you like. What was yeah. lowest scoring game in Super Bowl history. history? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Great. So uh, thank you for, uh, you know, sitting with us for a few sure. minutes. Uh, the reason John and I wanted to talk to you guys at First American Title is when we work with buyers and sellers, they know what a lender does. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a loan from them. They know what, you know, we do. We show them houses. We write up contracts. But... A lot of times they don't know what a title company does. Okay. So you know, we hear these terms, title, escrow, what does all that mean? Sure. So First American Title is actually a title company and an escrow company. So the title aspect of it, the title officer is going to search the records, the uh, real estate records of the property to uh, show, they'll issue what's called a commitment for title insurance. We'll get a copy of that. You'll get a copy of that. The buyer, the seller, and the other agent will also get a copy of that. Okay. And what that document shows is any liens that are on the title that we need to clear up prior to providing title or conveying title to the buyer in the transaction. And what escrow does is we work with clearing up the title commitment. Uh, we'll order a homeowner's association statement if their property is located within an HOA. We'll gather the funds necessary to close the transaction, so funds from the buyer, funds from the lender. Uh, we'll prepare the closing documents necessary to transfer the title from the buyer, from the seller to the buyer. Now, you said the first thing title does is order a title Title report. commitment or a title report. Who typically pays for that? Uh, the seller usually typically pays for the commitment or the title policy for the buyer. Okay. And the buyer will pay for the title policy that's required by their lender. Gotcha. Okay. So if I were buying the house and I'm paying cash, mm -hmm. there's no title, there's, there's no lender no lender involved, so involved. Yeah. Uh, typically, so in that transaction, the seller would pay for the owner's policy for the buyer. Okay, and, and what does that owner's policy like guarantee? That provides the buyer that they're going to have uh, their ownership in the property. So if a prior owner comes back and tries to challenge their ownership rights, the title insurance policy will cover that, or any liens that might have been from the previous owner. So, what do you mean by liens? Like somebody didn't pay their water bill, or? Water bills typically aren't a lien on the property, okay. so we're talking about uh, liens like a mortgage loan or uh, an IRS lien. Um, HOAs could have liens on the property if they're not paid on time. Okay. So I have a question, because okay. um, I'm not even clear on it. We hear the thing if there's a protection, insurance to protect you in case, maybe especially uh, we do a lot of sales in Sun City. Okay. where a parent passes away and then the child sells the house and you hear the thing, the insurance protects you if so somebody else can't come back and say this was my property. How long does that insurance last 
from closing? Because I've heard different things, like it ends at closing, and then other ones you can extend it past closing. Is there a difference on those? Or? So we're still talking about title insurance, Yes, correct? so okay. that's where somebody can't come back and say, the house belongs actually to me. They had no right to sell the house. Correctly. So the title insurance policy will go on forever as long as that person that we've insured owns the property. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah, so that's they a good own question. it for 50 I'm glad years. Because I thought it was yeah. like a year or something. It's not. Okay. Mm -mm. So uh, isn't there like a, a beefed up policy you can buy or is that, am I not? So our uh, beefed up policy yeah. is the uh, homeowner's policy that's covered, or we call it the Eagle policy. And that's what's yeah, that's in the, yeah. the purchase contract. So that's what's required in the purchase contract that the seller gives to the buyer at closing. Okay. So if, let's say I, I buy a house and like a year and a half later, somebody says, you know what? My grandpa left this house in his will and I have a pay, you know, document showing it then you guys should go to bat for me? Or is that what it's for? It could be, so they have to file a claim. You didn't have to file a claim, and mm -hmm. okay. So I don't have to worry about dealing with that mess. That would cover past uh, ownership rights. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so when we first start uh, idea, we, we get a client under contract, uh, the buyer wants to deposit earnest money. Mm -hmm. So the question that we get asked a lot is, hey, uh, do they take a credit card? Oh, okay. Uh, we do not take a credit you card. You don't take credit cards? No. Uh, we, Are you going to? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. And I don't know if that's on the front somewhere. So right now what we take is uh, they can wire transfer into okay. our account, or we can take a check or money order. Wire transfer? Or cashier's check. Okay. So at, at the bottom of all your emails, mm -hmm. you have this warning. Yes. So can you tell the public what all this is about, this wire business? Sure. So uh, there's a lot of fraud going on right now about wire transfers where um, email hackers are hacking into emails. It could be the buyer's email, the seller's email, uh, emails that are not very secure. And so what they do is they try to make the email, they'll send an email to the buyer and they'll make it look like it's coming from me. But they'll change, so it won't say like Becky Baker at First American mm -hmm. or firstam.com, it will say maybe B Baker at FI, at, one uh, ST. So they'll change something in there. So it looks like it's coming from me, but it's not. And so what they're trying to do is divert funds. So they make it sound very immediate. They'll tell the buyer, your closing is going to be delayed if you don't wire these funds immediately. Uh, here's the wiring instructions or the wire instructions changed and you need to wire these funds today to avoid any delays. So uh, what I will say is our wiring instructions never change. Our wiring instructions are always to uh, First Tr American Trust and we will never have a change in the wiring instructions. So if your buyer should get something like that, we just caution them to pick up the phone and call us, um, and they can call any time to verify wiring instructions as well. Gotcha. And we'll send those to the buyer in a secure manner, so they'll have to, you know, to okay. uh, secure in a secure way, so that they'll have to get those wiring instructions without oh. the hacker getting them. So somebody puts a contract in. We got through that. They get the title report. Um, then they open up escrow, they put, do that with personal check, cashier's check, wire. Um, then the next phase um, when they get into escrow is how to take title. And I know people that are married, there's different ways, and I don't know how many different ways can you take title. So typically when they're married, they're going to take title as husband and wife or a married couple. And most often what we see is that they're taking title as community property with the right of survivorship. Okay. So what that means is that protects them if one of them should pass away while they hold title, mm -hmm. then the titles would go to the surviving spouse okay. without having to go through probate. So that's typically okay. how we see 
uh, couples taking title. Okay. If they're unmarried, they would just take title unmarried themselves, uh, all by themselves. If they're married but taking title just as solely themselves, their spouse is going to have to sign what's called a disclaimer deed that would remove any rights the spouse would have. Okay. So the all disclaimer deed would also be done if uh, a couple, unfortunately, is going through a divorce and they're moving on and they want to buy a house while they're legally married, the other spouse would have to sign a disclaimer deed. That's correct. To get off, yes. so that way they're not part of the property going forward. Yes, okay. correct. All right. Yep. Okay, so you mentioned about different ways to take title, what, like four or five different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So we get answers, we, we get these, this question all the time, hey Stan, how do I take title? You know what I tell them? Call me. Yeah, <laughs> call Becky because we're not, you know, I mean, I think that's more of a, maybe a legal or maybe a tax thing that they need to talk to somebody that's a professional to explain, right? Correct. We have a document that we can give them that's just pr pretty much for informational purposes only, but we do always suggest that they seek advice from their tax accountant or advisor. Okay, because it's going to affect them monetarily in the future when they sell the house or somebody passes it away. Could. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, another aspect is, okay, so we get through that part. Now we get closer to closing. This is kind of for a buyer where it kind of gets a little haywire, okay? okay? Because their lender is asking them a bazillion questions, a bazillion documents, and then usually two, three, four, five days before title starts calling, starts setting up appointments. Correct. What are things and how do you prepare, or what are things that buyers need to get ready for? I know they need to have their funds. Mm -hmm. They need to have certain documentation for signing. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit when a buyer is getting to that point, the things they'll need to walk into your office when they're ready to close? Sure, so uh, one of the most important things they'll need is a valid government-issued picture identification, like a driver's license or a passport. So oftentimes we'll ask them for that at the signing table and they'll say, oh my gosh, I forgot it, or um, I don't have one, or it expired two years ago. So if that's the case, they need to make sure that they have that available before signing, because we're not able to notarize them and proceed with the closing okay. until they get that. So when you're buying a house with a lender, with a lender involved, um, what's your, how do you guys communicate with a lender for loan docs and all that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So we'll communicate with the lender by phone and email, both those uh, venues. Typically, the lender will ask what's required of us of a settlement statement, which shows any charges and credits, um, like kind of like a checking statement, so everything, money going in, money going out. Um, they'll ask us for that settlement statement so that they can prepare what's called a closing disclosure or a CD. And the CD will need to be acknowledged by the buyer three days before they can sign loan documents. So for example, if the buyer is signing the CD or acknowledging it on a Monday, okay. they won't be able to sign the closing documents until Thursday. So okay. they count those three days as Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So they can sign documents on the third day. Okay. So we have to be careful about closing dates, so we kind of have to back into the closing date and make sure we're getting loan documents and CDs prior to our closing date. So it's important to have a good lender that gets you the documents in time. Yes. So that way, again, a lot of there's a lot of lenders out there that are very proficient and very good at what they're doing, and other lenders that they ch it's challenging to get the documents in and it causes delays at closing. Um, what is right now, would you say, is the percentage of properties that do not close on time. Do you have a rough number? Is it oh, that just aren't close? I mean, they'll close, but just not on the day they were originally contracted because of a lender issue uh, or a problem with the buyer seller at the end. Do yeah, you? I can't really come up with a percentage off okay. the top of my head. I would say at, usually what we're seeing right now is properties are closing way ahead of time. Okay, good. So like for instance, I have one right now 
that I just got loan documents on, and I thought we were closing on the 13th, mm -hmm. so I reached out to everybody and said, okay, I have loan documents, okay. let's get scheduled, and they said, oh, by the way, we're closing on the 7th, so we well, that's are seeing yeah. the properties closing a little bit sooner, so... Okay. Um, and my point is, is with the title companies, a lot of buyers, I get these, when, when, a, when there is a problem with the closing, the buyers are upset with title. Sure. And I have to express to them, title's the middleman. Yeah. They can only do what's given to them. Well, and we're usually the ones making the phone call. Yes. You're the ones that reach out and are probably communicate more than anybody else. Um, so I, that's the part I want to make sure people understand is that you're, you can only do what you can only do. You can only take in, if you don't have loan docs, you can't sign. Correct. Uh, okay. So that brings me to another point. Uh, so since you're the middleman, you don't represent the buyer nor the seller. That's correct. Nor the agents. Right. So we're a neutral third party. Okay. And you're using us to facilitate the transaction. So basically the seller wants money for the property and the buyer wants keys. So they use us to make that happen. Okay. We don't represent anybody. And at closing, so now a buyer gets to the point where they're closing, you schedule the appointment. One area that, again, we talked about at the beginning with earnest money is when they come in to close, they, can they bring in a personal check no. at closing? Okay. No, because we don't have time for a personal check to close. Usually when the buyer's signing, we're signing either on the closing date or within a couple of days of closing. Okay. So for closing funds, which also includes their down payment, they would need to bring in a cashier's check or wire transfer. Okay. You know, that's that's a good question. That That's a good point you brought up, that the down payment. We get this question asked quite often. Oh, I'm putting 5% down or what, what not. Um, Stan, when do you need the money by? Do I need to have it this week? They don't, right? It's at the very end. Right, right. So okay. when they're and coming in, they can bring in this, it in mm -hmm. on the day of closing, correct? Right. So okay. I believe the contract states that we need to have the funds in a timely manner, in a you know enough time to close on the closing date. Okay. So usually the buyers will bring in their closing funds the day that they sign the documents, okay. so that we can get them all deposited. Now, from the seller's standpoint, the next the big question we get from them is, when do I get paid? When sure. do I get paid? Yeah. So, uh, for example, today is uh, Monday. We close on Monday. Yeah. The buyer comes in, signs at funds, and records today at 2 o'clock. When can a seller expect their money, and what options, and how do they can they receive it? Sure. So it depends on how the seller wants to receive their funds. When they sign their closing documents, we go over with them how they would like to receive their closing funds. Usually it's by check or wire transfer. Okay. So if they decide to pick up a check, then once we close that two, at 2 o'clock, they could come in right after that and come in and pick up their check. If they want their funds wire transferred, and it's after we have what's called a wire cutoff time, which is 2 o'clock. So okay. if we close after 2 o'clock, we'll still wire out the funds that same day to the seller, but they may not receive it into the, in their account until the next business day. Okay, and you, you, made a, you said something that gets people also with the lender. Wire cutoff time of 2 o'clock. Correct. What, what does that mean? Because I know when a lender, when they're closing, if it's after 2 o'clock, they, they tell the buyer, sorry, you can't close till tomorrow. Right. And they're baffled because it's 2.30. And I don't understand why you can't send the money right now. Right. Is it that two o'clock? Is it two o'clock our time? Does that time change because of the time change? Is it different times during the year? How does that time work? And well, I guess it depends on where the lender is. If they're back east, they might have a different wire cutoff time. And okay. some banks have different wire cutoff times as well. It could be eleven o'clock. It could be twelve. Ours oh, okay. is. I just know ours is two o'clock. Okay. Um, so, but you're right with lenders, when we're working with funding conditions, we always want to make sure we're getting those in in the morning so that they have enough time to review them, get underwriting to sign off, so that they have time to get the wire out to us. Okay. So when you get the funds, let's say that they had an IRS lien and, and, and there's a mortgage still on the, on the house, 
those funds are used to pay all these folks off, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then do you get like a verification right away saying that it's it's all paid off in full and we're good? So we have proof that those items are paid off. So we'll pay off a mortgage, we'll wire transfer the funds per the payoff statement okay. to the mortgage lender. And then what happens is that lender will release the lien that's on their title. Okay. So, But in the meantime, we're already issuing title insurance to the buyer and the lender showing that they own the property free and clear, well, for the buyer that they own the property. So how long does all that take once you get the money in? Um, how long does it take to close and disperse yeah, the yeah, funds? Yeah. It's pretty immediately. So once we get the funds in from the lender, we'll record the transaction with the county, which happens instantaneously. It's just a matter of us printing, you know, pushing the button with the county. And then we call you and let you know that the transaction is recorded. At that time, the buyer is the owner of the property, so they could arrange to get keys from you, and the seller can pick up their funds or will wire out their funds. Some states, people sign and get the money right away. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yes, I believe Colorado is like that, and some of the states back east are like that. Okay. Um, but Arizona is not like that. So, and we get that question a lot from sellers when they'll come in to sign, and they're like, "Okay, I'm signing." Where's and my it's, check? Yeah, where's my <laughs> check? Or why would you have me sign prior to the closing date? I don't want to give up my ownership rights, and I want my money. So, um, some states are like that, where all the parties get together. So, both agents both the buyer and the seller and the lender and the escrow company they're all at one table and they're all signing and exchanging documents and exchanging funds but Arizona is not like that yeah. so and so you said you made a comment in Arizona it's it's normal for a seller to sign two three four five days in advance yeah of the closing. or even a couple of weeks we've had sellers sign um, a week after the purchase contract signed just because maybe they might be moving to another state and they okay. want to sign and and that's another great question. What happens if the buyer or seller, or excuse me, the seller's not here? How would they sign? Sure. They have to fly out here and meet you to sign? Or? Yes. No. <laughs> um, we can make arrangements for the seller to sign wherever they are. Okay. So we can do that either with a, a mobile notary. We have a network of notaries that we work with. Okay. Or sometimes sellers are comfortable enough to, uh, we can Federal Express the documents to them. We highlight where they need to sign. We try to make it as easy and clear as possible. And there's usually about two documents that will need to be notarized so they can go to their bank and have those notarized. We'll include a FedEx envelope that's pre-addressed and paid for back to us so the yes. seller can sign the documents, put them in the envelope, and ship them back to so us. So pretty painless. We try to make it pretty yeah. painless. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of closings, I know that the last day of the month mm -hmm. is probably the not... You, I know you guys don't like having closings on the last day because everybody seems to jam their closings on the, on the same day. I love having closings any day. All right. Well, you know, no, we, we've had issues in the past where, because of the cutoff time, mm -hmm. uh, everything's done, but the money didn't come over, and there's a moving truck waiting, yeah. and now it's a weekend, and yeah. uh, what do we do? So that's, that's the only reason I brought that up. Okay. Uh, so kind of space it out might be a little better versus last Friday of the month. Yeah. So yeah. Fridays can always be a little crazy, challenging, yeah. challenging yeah. To, especially if something like that were to happen and we're not able to close because then the buyer may not have a place to stay over the weekend. Um, so I know some agents will maybe close on a Wednesday or a Thursday yeah. just to kind of have that buffer. Just to get a little bit yeah. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you made a comment that's important to all the buyers out there, when the buyers get their keys. Everything you talked about, the wire from the lender, and then sometimes even after you get the wire, is that before or after they've received the docs back? Because I know some lenders need the docs back. Um, so once you receive the wire, is that pretty much saying the lender saying we're good at that point? Not necessarily. Some lenders will actually fund the loan the okay. same time they give us the loan documents, and then they require us to send the 
sign documents back to them. Okay. They'll do a quick review and then they'll authorize us to use their funds. Okay. And before a buyer, just so you know, can get your keys, that process has to be done. Mm -hmm. It has to be recorded with the county. That's correct. Um, and then at that point, once it's recorded and officially closed, you guys reach out to the buyers, the sellers, let them know. At that point, and at that point only, is when the buyers can get the keys. Yes, unless they've made arrangements with you guys. So they come to you and pick the keys up? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. We are not the key master. No, because no, that, that's a question a lot of people don't know. Hey, yeah. who, where do I get the key from? How do I get, get to my house? Yeah, and we get that a lot too. People yeah. will say, okay, I can come back here tomorrow and get the key. And uh, no, so they would make arrangements to get the key from their agent. Okay. Um, can I ask you about 1031 exchanges? Sure. It used to be popular back in the day. Then it kind of died out. Mm -hmm. Now with everybody having equity again, yeah. we have 1031s happening. Are you seeing more of that right now? We have been seeing more of that, actually. Is yeah. it all the investor activity that's kind mm -hmm. of driving that? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, we've, I've had several 1031s lately. So, so if somebody wanted to learn more about 1031s, where would yeah. they go to? We actually have a great uh, 1031 department, so I can give you information for our guy, his name is uh, Carmine. And you know what, I did take a class from Carmine. Yeah, he's excellent. So what if the public, let's say there's an investor out there that's thinking about, hey, maybe I'll sell this and buy something in California or vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, they can just call Carmine mm -hmm. directly or? Yeah, and he can walk them through those steps or what they need to do to start the process. So why use 1031 with First American? I mean, I know there are other 1031s out there. Yeah, they can use any 1031. I just like ours because our, our people are very responsive. They're very knowledgeable. I like them. I trust them. Well, thank you, um, Becky. You're welcome. Stan, we really appreciate all the information. Um, from, and again, First American Title over here at 83rd Avenue in Peoria in the Peoria Sports Complex. And again, thank you so much, You're Becky. Welcome. Thank you, My Becky. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs>